It's RBA day today, so will they or won't they? Maybe they'll wait and see. Perhaps they'll be looking at the slowdown elsewhere, like the US, where the manufacturing ISM was a big downside surprise yesterday, or the revision downwards in German manufacturing. Maybe they'll look at the global economy, see it slowing and say, well, maybe we can hold off, or maybe they'll look and say, well, if we want to raise rates, uh, we clearly don't have to be concerned about the housing sector. Look at the loan data yesterday. Anyway, we'll talk about that and the RBA today, because, well... With the US about to embark on their day off, there's not a lot else on today because it's the 4th of July, Tuesday, the 4th of July, 2023, by the dawn's early light. It's the morning call from NAB. Howdy, y'all. I think I just made myself cringe. Look, there's a small move up in the US dollar just ahead of that 4th of July holiday this morning. A 0.1% rise in the Aussie dollar up to 66.7 US cents. The euro marginally up, the pound down about 0.1%. But it's not really a session for big currency moves or moves in equities. The Nasdaq is up 0.2%, but just 0.1% for the S&P and the Dow barely in the green in a shortened session with it finished one in the afternoon in the US. A marginal fall in the euro stocks 50 and the FTSE 100. The DAX is down 0.4%. So equity is not moving a great deal either. So what is moving? Well, European bonds, the yields on 10-year gilts up five basis points, two years up nine basis points, uh, getting over 5.4%, which is a new 15-year high uh, for two-year gilts. Uh, In Germany, 10 years are up four basis points, between five and six basis points higher across much of the rest of Europe, but up just two basis points for 10-year treasuries. Aussie 10 years fell six Six basis points yesterday, down to 3.97%, a little higher on futures overnight, but still below 4%. Uh, in fact, not much in between 3 and 10-year yields, just a couple of basis points. And oil is moving lower. Brent below 75 again, falling 0.6% with a 0.7% drop in WTI. So uh, let's piece all of that together if we can. Well, I mean, there's not a lot to piece together because not a lot of movement. But here's Nabs Tapas Strickland in Sydney. And we should start with the, the key event today, obviously, Tapas, the RBA. But uh, let's talk about it in light of the latest housing data. So building permits yesterday, a massive increase, well above expectations. And the same for loans for homes and investment properties. So what is happening in the housing market? Remembering, of course, this is a spike upwards in what has been a, a downward trend, of course. Good morning, Phil. Yes, that Australian housing market data is really reflecting that global trend that we have seen, the recovery in housing markets, no matter where you are right around the world. And there's many different ways you can read this. There's very strong underlying demand for dwellings after people and construction was really restrained during the pandemic. And the other alternative explanation is financial conditions are just not tight enough. And when you actually look at real rates, um, so you take the nominal cash rates around the world minus the inflation rate, you look at the real rate in Australia, it's still minus 1.5% percent and indeed the only place where it's actually positive is in the US and Canada and in the US there's a positive real rate of 0.7 percent and similar in Canada around positive 0.5 percent so it may be illustrative of financial conditions just not being tight enough well, so does that mean central banks set go higher? I mean, it's uh, and there's also the, the, the thing about the fear of missing out, isn't there? Because people will be saying, well, rates are not going to be this high anyway forever. Uh, perhaps there's a bit of a price advantage now in, in Australia if you find the, the, the right house. Uh, and uh, so, you know, so you so you buy now because you think, you know, you, you might have the competitive edge by, by buying now. Although, you know, house prices are rising, aren't they? So we had the, the core logic data yesterday. Sydney house prices up 1.3% in March. So well over a million now for your average Sydney house. That's all. So, I mean, it, 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 does, does the RBA look at all of this and say, well, okay, 
uh, there's not, you know, there's there's less of a, a concern about the housing market now. That gives us a bit more freedom to move. The RBA has been looking at the housing market data quite closely for two main reasons. So when house prices were falling uh, in the later part of last year, there was a potential for that to weigh on consumption and indeed one of the downside risks to the economy and that's been mentioned in the RBA minutes persistently is the economy weakening more than expected and the stabilization we have seen in in the housing market does reduce those downside risks there and indeed the retail sales number that we did get for May which was up 0.7% month on month suggests the economy isn't falling off a cliff uh, as as yet at least Uh, and there is still a very resilient consumer out there. So what does the RBA do today then? That's the million dollar question. You know, it's the value of a Sydney house question. Uh, do they lift or do they pause? Do they wait for CPI and see what that does for Q2, for example? It's going to be a very close call and we are very line ball in calling the RBA to high rates today. And when you look at the Bloomberg consensus, 13 out of 27 analysts are expecting a 25 basis point hike and markets are only pricing around a 30% chance of, of a hike. Now, market pricing was a little bit higher, but there was a article yesterday by um, a veteran RBA whisperer, Terry McCran, and um, he wrote that two options will be on the table and what will almost certainly be Philip Lowe's third last meeting as governor. This month with Lowe, supported by his deputy, likely signaling a preference for a pause, that's all but certain what we will get. Um, so you can read what you want into that, um, but at least it looked like markets did react to that a little bit, pairing back market pricing a a little bit. But when you look at the data flow, you'd have to say the data flow does argue uh, for another hike. There's little um, value in waiting in our view, especially because core inflationary pressures remain high and very sticky. The labor market remains tight. As we noted before, the unemployment rate fell back to 3.6%. Job vacancies are still 89% above pre-pandemic levels. And as we were mentioning before, retail sales still show a pretty resilient consumer there. So the risks around inflation uh, remaining high and remaining elevated are still very much there and really challenge the RBA's aim of getting inflation back to 3% by mid-2025. So the argument is yeah, so, to so go by 25 basis points. Yeah, I mean, is that achievable? I mean, if they go, if they delay, presumably it does mean longer. So does that make 3% by mid-2025? 25 achievable seems unlikely it does it? and what the RBA could do uh, as, you, as you're noting in your um, as you noted just before is they could wait until the full quarterly CPI and the full SOMP forecast update associated with the August mm. um, meeting um, if the RBA did hold fire at today's meeting we still think the RBA would raise rates at least two more times and just with, worth remembering when the RBA did pause back in April it was followed up with two two consecutive hikes but going back to the housing market discussion we, we had if the RBA did pause there is a risk that they send the wrong message to the average punter in this in this in the street and i remember being at a mortgage broker conference earlier on in the year when there was a lot of discussion about the rba pausing or maybe this being the end of the interest rate cycle and a lot of mortgage brokers were you just got to get into the market uh, rates going to come down and i think that same kind of um uh, background noise is going to be prevalent if the RBA pause today. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it doesn't take much, does it, really, to uh, to, to to get the, uh, the the mortgage market hyped up? Uh, so yeah, that's an interesting point as well to counterbalance it all. So then there's the question about the slowdown as well in the US and in Europe. So yesterday here we were saying, well, maybe a soft landing for the US. Uh, you know, the data is all looking positive, but, you know, this is a different day. So the big manufacturing slowdown, the ISM manufacturing in the US came in at 46 in June, well into contraction territory and down from 46.9 in May. So 46 is quite a slowdown, isn't it? And there's, you know, anecdotes from respondees to this because, of course, it is a survey 
that shows that, you know, maybe there's more to come and, you know, or worse to come. Yes, the US ISM manufacturing has been painting a pretty pessimistic uh, picture of the US economy for quite some time. But at the same time, all the hard data has been very, very resilient to date. And in some respects, the data we got in the US ISM manufacturing wasn't necessarily new uh, in the sense that um, the services side of the economy is still very resilient and we don't get the services ISM until Thursday. So we'll be looking quite closely at that uh, in regards for the momentum in the US economy. But the two key things that I noted from here was that the prices paid index uh, fell to 41.8 uh, versus 44.2 previously. So that disinflationary pressure is starting to, to come through. Uh, and the other one was uh, production is starting to ease back a bit. So production came in at 46.7 versus 51.1. And we've been saying for quite some time that order backlogs were one of the reasons why activity has been holding up in the US. And it looks like perhaps those order backlogs are starting to be uh, run through. And just wanted to highlight three interesting anecdotes uh, from firms that were surveyed. Um, So the first one was that um, while orders and business are steady with a healthy backlog, new prospective orders seem to be getting pushed back into 2024. So maybe the second half of this year may be a little bit softer than the the first half. So I think that's um, likely to be borne out according to these anecdotes. Um, Another anecdote was that customers are less inclined to purchase far in advance. So I think firms are going to be very uncertain about the level of demand, particularly on the manufacturing side. And lastly, um, one firm said, while North American demand was stabilizing, European markets are showing slowing in the second half of 2023 and 2024. So that growth divergence between the US and Europe looks like it's going to be opening up again. Um, And uh, I think that is just a really interesting aspect that could play out in the second half of this year. While the US economy may slow, it may slow less than, say, the European economies. Yeah, well, so and we saw a revision, didn't we, to the manufacturing PMI for Germany. The final read for June is down to 406 which is the lowest it's been since May 2020. Now, remember, May 2020, I mean, a lot of places were closed. We were in full-on pandemic lockdown uh, at at that point in the proceedings. So to be down at that level, that is quite something, isn't it? I mean, you know, factories are open, but obviously not producing as much. Definitely, and I thought the comments in the German manufacturing PMI show that part of the reason why the German economy is so weak on the manufacturing side is also because of Asia and the Chinese economy. So Mm. the survey pointed towards weaker sales both domestically and abroad. Um, So it does suggest that the softness in the post-pandemic recovery in China is definitely spilling back in terms of uh, European manufacturing sectors. And then just lastly, on the uh, price side in the German PMI, um, a really interesting anecdote here. And it said, despite the decline in demand that began early last year, companies only started to cut their selling prices in June. Well, input prices have been falling for several months. And the key reason for that was because of order backlogs. So it seems like we're getting to the stage globally where the order backlogs are starting to be run down. Um, And then now we're really dependent on new orders coming through. And what we have seen is the new orders indexes um, all below 50 in most countries. So Mm. it looks like manufacturing activity will slow and actual production levels could slow from here. Well, something that's doing quite well is Tesla, isn't it? So Equity is doing well, uh, because, almost because of Tesla, doing better than expected, certainly doing better than Twitter. Anyway, maybe Mr. Musk sort of stuck at his knitting, shouldn't he? But electric vehicles are doing well now. I'm not. Is, is this the new AI? You know, have we moved on now? AI shares are not going to go up as much. It's all going to go to electric vehicle. Although, you know, combined, we get a car that's also AI, electric car that learns how to drive by itself. I don't like the sound of that. It sounds like it's going to make up its own rules. That sounds scary to me. Uh, so what about the uh, the Aussie dollar then? Um, 
so it's down two percent so far this year i mean if the u.s does falter uh, then we'll, it'll be more risk off. That'll presumably delay the recovery in the Aussie dollar. But it sounds like it's not going to falter as much as Europe. So does that, is that strong for the Aussie dollar? This is a roundabout way of saying, where's, where's the Aussie dollar going? Oh, I, it's a very good question. The Aussie dollar has been pretty rangy around that kind of 66 to 68 US cent level. And I think it is going to still be a little bit rangy for the near term. Um, the other factor there, aside from what's going on in Europe and what's going on in the US, is what's going on in China. And some encouraging signs of that over the past couple of days. And and indeed, the Chinese uh, PBOC did move uh, towards strengthening the yuan on Monday, and you did see dollar CNH um, fall on the back of that. So that is a positive outcome, um, particularly just given the Australian dollar trades fairly closely with the Chinese yuan. Um, and also, it was noted that uh, in its uh, quarterly monetary policy committee meeting on Friday, um, that it will adopt comprehensive measures and stabilize expectations about the Yuan. And you're talking with Rodrigo yesterday about the newly appointed PBOC party secretary and potentially the next governor of the PBOC. So potentially that suggests a little bit more um, concern around the depreciation in the Yuan that we have seen most recently. Um, If that concern is is borne out and they do take uh, measures to both stabilize the Yuan and also stabilize the Chinese economy, then that could be Australian dollar supportive, even though we have uh, softer global growth coming from, say, Europe and from the US as well. Right. And oil, uh, there were cuts announced, well, continuations of cuts, weren't there? Saudi Arabia said its million barrel a day cut is going to carry on until August and then possibly beyond. Russia has said it's going to cut by half a million barrels a day. But, you know, we don't want any of that anyway. So, uh, but you, all of that hasn't pushed oil higher. In fact, it's down, uh, presumably because of downturn concerns. Yeah, the... Oil market has been really interesting and it's probably been telling you that global demand is a lot weaker than um, some of the headline aggregates would, would suggest. And that's mainly because most analysts out there still see the oil market as relatively tight on this supply side. So it must be demand that's really doing the balancing bit here. Um, so the demand outlook does look a little bit concerning for the oil market and i wouldn't be surprised if um opec plus do further initiatives on this front now today uh well the uh, new zealand business conference is out sort of any moment now and we've already talked about the rba and then there's um well, i can't find anything else tapas have you have you found anything it's a desperately quiet day today extremely extremely quiet and when tapas can't find anything else to talk about we know it is a desperately quiet day so we will leave that's it Catch you soon, Tapas. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks, Phil. And that's the morning call from NAB. I'm Phil Dobby. I'm back again tomorrow morning. Speak to you then.